0: I don't know if you guys have realized this or not, but fall has arrived. According to Hobby Lobby, the Christmas season has also arrived. <laughs> I came home yesterday just to look and see, and as of today, you have 89 shopping days left until Christmas. I kind of panicked, because I like waiting until about the 23rd, 24th to get started, and so I saw all those... I got kind of worried that maybe I was you know, way behind, but I'm really way ahead, so I'm, I'm doing well. It's amazing no matter what kind of shopper we are, and I know if I ask some of you to raise hands, some of you have already started your Christmas shopping, and I can see by the smile on your faces that you're amongst those people. Some of us have already started, and we look at that 89 days and say, oh, I'll have her done. I'll be done before that 89 days is up. Others of us are just like, it's not even October yet. I'm not even thinking about Christmas. I'm, I'm just worried about October. I'm just thankful that I was awake when fall showed up. We're not even concerned about that yet. But you know, one thing is we have in common, whether we start our Christmas shopping 364 days before Christmas or we start shopping the day before Christmas. We're going to be ready for Christmas Ready or not, when that day comes, we're we're ready. We may be up all night the night before getting ready for it, but when that day comes, we are ready for that day. And that's kind of the nice thing about knowing what that day is. We don't have to know if it's a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. We just know it's the 25th, and we make plans accordingly so that on the 25th, we are ready. This morning, we pick up our journey making our way through the book of Thessalonians. And this morning we come to First Thessalonians 5. And we want to look at verses 1 through 3. And as we are at the edge of chapter 5, it's kind of sad to me to look, because in my Bible, this is the end of 1 Thessalonians. But have no fear, we'll be on these two pages for a while. And then we're going to dive into 2 Thessalonians, because we are journeying through the Thessalonians. And so... This journey is still going on we're still here but as we rest on the edge of this passage this morning we are going to look today at the day of the Lord in this passage there are two headings that we're going to use to kind of lead us through this thought this morning the first thing we see is the coming of the day and the second thing we see is the character of the day now before we dive into these three verses Uh, Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5, find verse 1 with me if you would, and stand with me. I'll read these three verses aloud and you can follow along with me in your copy of the Scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 says this, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Father, we are grateful for this day that you've given to us. And Lord, as we pause here this morning and look into your word, I pray that we would pause here this morning and allow your word to look into us. Lord, you know right where we are this morning. You know where our hearts are this morning. And I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts right where they are, that you would help us to look to you this morning and open our hearts and give us understanding this morning. I pray that you take my mind and my heart and my tongue, Lord God, and just allow me to share what you would have us to hear I pray we would hear nothing more, but I I pray certainly, Lord, we would hear nothing less either. And so, Lord, work in our hearts and minds. We are grateful for who you are, Lord, and we are especially grateful today for your son, Jesus, and just all that we have because of your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we begin this morning and as we journey through these first three verses, the first thing we want to look at in verses 1 and 2 is the coming of the day. Look at verse 1 with me. Paul says, now concerning the times and the seasons. Now, what Paul is doing here is is making a subject change. We saw this the last time we were together, how Paul uses this subject change uh, frequently in his letters. The last time we saw it in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9, Paul said, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So this was one of those subject changes. Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonia, and he was there and visited with them, and then he came and gave a report to Paul. And so as he reported things to Paul, there were some things that Paul wanted to point out to them. And that was one of those things, brotherly love. We also saw Paul use this and he uses it in Romans and he also uses it quite a bit in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, the people of Corinth sent a letter to Paul and Paul was responding to what that letter shared. And so as Paul was going through that letter that he received and responding to those things, Paul would often say, now concerning. And he would share what he was thinking. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he was responding to the misuse of spiritual gifts. And he said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so Paul was sending them information, giving them understanding to what the topics were that they were struggling with. Paul, his now Uh, Moving on to a new subject. The last time we were together in 1 Thessalonians 4, we saw Paul sharing with the church regarding the rapture. And he told them about the rapture. It was in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, Will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so that's what Paul was talking about there at the end of chapter four was the rapture of the church, and he was informing them about the rapture of the church. And he finishes that, and now he changes the subject. Now he's moving from the rapture of the church on to the day of the Lord. He's moving to a new subject here as he begins talking. And he says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers. The times and the seasons. This is a phrase, just kind of a general reference to the end times, speaking of the events that are gonna happen at the end of the age. That's the term that is used. Jesus used this phrase when he was speaking to the apostles in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he'd been crucified, he'd been buried, he rose again, he hung out with his disciples for a number of days. He's just getting ready to ascend into heaven and his disciples are together and they're like, is this the time when the kingdom comes? Is this the time when the end of time comes and we set up and we begin to have this earthly kingdom? And Jesus said this, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then he went on to instruct them in chapter 1, verse 8, that they were to be missionaries, that they were to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of the world. So the end times were not there yet. It was not up to them to know the times or the seasons. Now what's interesting is we look at this word times and this word seasons Both of these words are similar, but they're both different. They have kind of just unique, slight differences here. The times speaks about a chronological time, such as we do when we look at the clock or we we look at the calendar. Uh, We got up this morning and realized that today is September 26, and it will be September 26, 2021, all day today. We know that, and that is a specific time. So that's the word that's used here for times, is a specific time. And the next word he uses here is seasons. And we know when we hear seasons, we hear the word, we kind of have a mental picture of what's going to happen. We hear about the season, fall. We know in the season, fall, what's gonna take place. The leaves are gonna begin to change, it's gonna be cold, we're gonna kinda have a, a cooler temperatures. Uh, and then things kind of cool down, we begin looking for sweatshirts, and, and begin to think about pumpkin spice lattes, and kind of look for pumpkin spice creamer, and you know, we know that fall means time for pumpkins, okay, that's, we know that's what comes during this season. When we think about the season, we don't necessarily think about September 21st through December 22nd, we don't necessarily think about that, but we just think about what takes place during this time period and the the events that take place during this time period. And so Paul says, hey, regarding the times, the specific time and that specific season, uh, so that's what he's speaking about is this end of times kind of things. Paul is speaking to them about the timing of the end times and, and this end times thing that's going to unfold. And notice what he says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers. So again, as he changes subjects, he's He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to a group of, of Christians here as he's writing this letter. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Paul was about to speak to them about the day of the Lord. And as he shares this, there was no need for Paul to give them more information about the day of the Lord. They already knew. Paul had taught them. He had nothing new to share with them. I think it's interesting as we think about this, the day of the Lord is a a time of God's judgment. And that is something that oftentimes we don't like to think about. It's something that we often want to put on the back burner. We want to talk about God's love. We want to talk about God's compassion. We don't want to talk about his holiness and his justness. and and his judgment, we want to leave that to the side, but Paul as he's speaking to this young church he said, I've already told you about it, God, he's already laid out for them about the judgment of God, and the coming judgment of God, he says I don't need to get back on that horse I don't need to tell you more about that you already know about that, he says in verse 2 for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. No need for me to write more to you. They each possess that information. He says, for you yourselves. This is an individual basis here. You guys as brothers, you yourselves as individuals, know about the day of the Lord. And so he's laying this out. There's no need to discuss this further. I think there's an interesting observation here. Uh, that we can look at in regards to the rapture when Paul was sharing with them about the rapture uh, he shared this in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope and then he began to share with them about the rapture but notice he said we don't want you to be uninformed and then he shared more with them This was something new that he was teaching them, something new that he was sharing about the rapture of the church. But here he says, in regards to the the judgment day of God, according to the Lord of the day, uh, the day of the Lord, I don't have to inform you more. I don't have to give you more information about that. You already know about the judgment that's to come. With the rapture, there needed to be further information. But with the judgment of God... You already know, I don't need to give more to you. You already know. Now concerning the day of the Lord, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is a, is a unique time when God's power And God's holiness will be fully unveiled. In the Old Testament, there have been tastes of God's judgment. There have been little bits and pieces and and small glimpses of the power of God and the holiness of God being unveiled. But very small glimpses in respect to what's going to happen on the day of the Lord. People don't like to think about the day of the Lord. They don't like to think about the judgment of God. In fact, just a few, well, it's, you know, a few days ago, but it's probably prior to that. I was visiting with somebody, and we were talking about COVID. And they said, do you believe that COVID is the judgment of God? And I said, I believe without a doubt. I have no idea. (laughs) But... I do know that if God chose to use it, he would use it. Amen. Amen. I know without a shadow of an doubt that God is in control and he can bring his judgment any way that he wants to. And this person's response was, I don't believe that. I don't think God judges. Mm. <coughs> I stepped away from the lightning. It's kind of a scary thing when someone doesn't believe in the judgment of God. But as we look at Scripture, we see that God is a God who does judge sin. God is a God who will judge sin. The day of the Lord will be an outpouring of God's judgment on the the nation of Israel, on those who don't believe in the nation of Israel, and also on Gentile nations who, who don't believe. And God's word is full of that. Isaiah thirteen verse six says, Wail, for the day of the Lord is near, and destruction from the Almighty it will come. Isaiah thirteen nine says this Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation. And to destroy its sinners from it. Ezekiel 30, verse 3. For the day is near, the day of the Lord is near. It will be a day of clouds, a time of doom for the nations. 2 Peter 3:10 says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Time and time again, and and multiple times through the Old Testament, this is laid out, that this is what the day of the Lord is going to be. It is God's judgment of sin, God's (coughs) judging of sin, and it's going to be an outpouring of God's judgment. As we look at the book of Revelation, we see from Revelation chapter 4 when God talks to the church prior to that, but in Revelation chapter 4, God begins unfolding the great tribulation, the tribulation period. And as he unfolds, we see judgment after judgment after judgment coming and being poured out. And that's what's going to happen. That's the day of the Lord. Now, as we think about the day of the Lord, it is not a literal (coughs) 24-hour period. My grandpa used to always say, back in my day, I knew he wasn't talking about September 26, 1905, all right? I knew that he was talking about when he was a child in the early 1900s. I knew that's what he was making a reference to. He wasn't talking about a specific day. He was talking about that time period in the day. And that's the day of the Lord is a a time period. Events are going to take place during the day of the Lord when God brings that judgment on. Now, as we look at this word day, there are times when that word day is used when it is speaking about a specific single 24-hour period. We looked at this in Genesis 1, verse 9. God said, Let the water under the heavens be gathered together into one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land and the earth and the waters that were gathered together, He called seas And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit, in which their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Verse 12 says, The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening. And there was morning the third day. So in that reference, God is speaking about day in a 24-hour period. But the reference of the Lord, the day of the Lord, is not speaking of a 24-hour period. It is speaking of a longer period that that contains a number of events. Now look at verse 2 here in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When a thief breaks into a house and steals your belongings, he doesn't call beforehand and make an appointment. He waits until you're gone. He may case your house for a few days, see what your tendencies are when you're gone, uh, and then he will come and he will Take things from your house. His goal is to be quiet. His goal is to be undetected. Uh, I think Facebook is the greatest invention for thieves because you can tell when people are on vacation, they brag it up. I'm gone. I'm on vacation. Hey, I don't have to worry about it. They're gone. This is the mindset here. When a thief comes to steal, he waits until you're gone. He waits until you're unexpected. If you knew he was coming, You would sit on your recliner and you would wait for him. You would anticipate his arrival if you knew he was coming. We don't have a date. There's no specific time that's set for when the day of the Lord is going to take place. It's going to take place when no one expects it. It's amazing as you look back through history, how many times people felt like this day is going to be the day that the Lord returns. And they predicted it. Uh, There's been all kinds of days. It seems like a lot of them are in the month of October that's going to happen in October, and they lay all of that out. But so far, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened yet. No one knows the time or the date when it's going to happen. It's going to come like a thief in the night. And Jesus shared that with his disciples, and we saw this already in Acts 1-7. But just in case you were asleep for that, he said to them, it's not for you as to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. He's fixed that day. He's set that time up. It's not up for us, up to us to know. And it's amazing that as the disciples gathered and they were curious when that day would be, but that's when Jesus gave them the great commission. It's not up to you to know, but it's up to you to go and share the gospel so that people are ready when the return happens. That's what he laid out for them. And so as we look at this in these first two verses here, we see the coming of the day. But in verse 3, we see the character of the day. Look at verse 3. It says, while people are saying there is peace and there is security. You know, as we read that verse, it seems like it's a strange thing that people would be saying that, that before God's judgment comes, people are going to say, oh, it's peaceful, it's all secure. But this is not something that's new. This is not some sort of new phenomenon that's just gonna happen in the future. This is something that's been happening that continues to happen. Jeremiah came, and he had a message for the nation of Israel, and he was sharing with them that God's judgment was gonna come upon Israel, that God was going to allow them to be taken captive into Babylon. It says in Jeremiah 14, verse 13, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword nor shall you have famine, but I will give you a certain peace in this place. This is Jeremiah saying, I go and I share the message that you've told me to give God, but the people who are there, these false prophets, they share something else. They share peace and security is there. Don't worry about what Jeremiah is saying. And the Lord said this in verse 14. The prophets are prophesying lies. In my name, I did not send them, nor did I command them to speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. When the day of the Lord comes, people are going to be preoccupied with all of the things that are going on in the world. The pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of stuff, just living life is going to be the mindset. No, they're not going to know the day of the Lord when it comes. Warnings about future calamity will be ignored. They will be put to the side. I was visiting with somebody a while back, and they, I, they, somebody had come to them and shared with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And they said, boy, I don't know why there's, there's just so much hateful speech in the world. And my thought was, what, what is hateful about that? If the bridge was out on the diner road and you were driving down the road at 200 miles an hour and I just stood out on the road and went like this, knowing the bridge is out, is that loving? I think that's pretty hateful. Just waiting for the explosion, watch for the mushroom cloud, that's hateful. But if I stand in the road and I I make you apply your brakes and maybe ruin a tire or warp a brake drum, if I I do that, that's not hateful. That's loving. That's warning you of the danger that's ahead. And many people will hear that danger. They'll hear of the warnings and they will ignore that. They will ignore the future calamity. The judgment of God, are you kidding me? God is not a judging God. God is a loving God. He's going to ignore me and God. We have something worked out. That's what people will say. That's what will happen. But notice what it says in verse 3. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. They won't see it coming. They won't see it coming. They will not be prepared. They will not be prepared. Jesus speaks about this when he shares about the days of Noah. Jesus is looking back to the days of Noah and he uses this as an example. It says in Luke 17 verse 26, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They are eating and drinking and marrying and and given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Eating and drinking and marrying, that's living life, right? How many of you guys ate something today? All right, two of you, congratulations. I should have warned you that we're going to go till two today, huh? How many of you got up and had your cup of coffee this morning before you could move? All right, You smelled it, you had it on automatic perk and you smelled it. Your one eye opens and you kind of think about it and you get up and you pour yourself a cup of ambition. All right, There should be a song about that. But they, they lived life and they lived normal lives and, and they, they were going through life and all was well. All was well. Noah received from God a woman Noah, you need to build an ark because flood's going to come. And we read that Noah went out and warned people. He went out and told them about the coming judgment. But you know, they ignored Noah. And only Noah and his family got on the ark. But when God told Noah to build the ark, Noah built the ark. And he built it on a hill so it wasn't like he hid it in his backyard and covered it up with a tarp every night. All right? It's too big for that. He didn't keep it a secret. People knew about it. People saw it. And people warned them. Or Noah warned the people as they came. Hey, God's going to judge. Rain is going to come. And they ignored the warning. And when Noah was finished building it, Noah, God told Noah to get on the ark and all of the animals got on the ark. And the Bible says that God shut the door. God is the one who shut the door on the ark. Noah and his family and the animals were inside and God shut the door and judgment began to rain down. Forty days and forty nights it rained and God destroyed all of the inhabitants of the earth except for Noah and those animals that were on the ark. God's judgment came and only Noah and his family were rescued. A similar event happened with Lot Back in Lot's day, remember Abraham and Sarah just hanging out in the desert? God and some angels came walking and they shared with Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham interceded for Lot and said, God, if 50 there are righteous, will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? If 40 there are righteous, will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? If 30 are righteous, will you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? And he kept going down and down and down. The angels got to Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot invited them into his house. And the angels told Lot to get his family and get out. Lot went to his future son-in-laws and told them, hey, we've got to get out. God is going to judge. And they laughed at Lot. Lot and his wife and his two daughters fled Sodom and Gomorrah. And then God rained down judgment. (coughs) And Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. Only Lot and his wife and his two daughters got out of there. Lot's wife turned back and turned to salt, but she got out of the city before she turned back. God warned about the coming judgment, and then God sent judgment. The people in Sodom and Gomorrah, the people in Noah's time, were just living life, <coughs> living life, ignoring the warnings of the coming judgment. And it came. The day of the Lord is approaching. God has told us it's going to come. There will be a time of rescuing. There will be a time of rescuing. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 says this. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Voice of the archangel. With the sound of the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Those who are in Christ will be rescued. Those who are in Christ will be saved. But then the day of the Lord will come. That judgment will come. This judgment is laid out for us in the book of Revelation. And I shared with you in Revelation 2 and in Revelation 3, God speaks to the church, but in Revelation 4 to the end, the church is never mentioned again. Revelation chapter 4 is the beginning of God's judgment, and God pours out His judgment on the nation of Israel and on the Gentile nations. All of those who've rejected the gospel, all of those who've not turned to Christ, are going to be the recipients of that judgment that's going to be poured out that day of the Lord. It says in verse 3, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, they will not escape. When labor pains begin, they move towards that end result. Boom, a baby. Labor pains begin slow. Labor pains begin with a small amount of pain ladies, compared to the final, okay? I know it's already more pain than what we go through when we get the flu. But as that pain continues, as that delivery continues, as it progresses, those pains, those birth pains, get harder and harder. They get closer and closer together until the child is delivered. As we move through the book of Revelation, God's judgment unfolds. The sealed judgments come first and they slowly unfold. And then the trumpet judgments come and they unfold a little bit faster. And then the bold judgments come. And as you read the bold judgments, they're almost on top of each other. They're coming one after another. Those birthing pains getting closer and closer together. That's the way... A day of the Lord is going to be moving through that time period, through the judgment of sin. Now I want you to notice something here. Look at verse, look at verse uh, three. Look at verse three with me. Verse three says, while people are saying there is peace and security, Then sudden destruction will come upon them. Not us, but on them. Then he goes on and he says, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Prior to that, he speaks about us. As he speaks about the rapture, he says, we and us. But now as he speaks about the day of the Lord, it's they and them. Speaking of those who are unbelievers, they will not escape God's divine judgment. And just like with labor pains, they will continue until the completion of God's judgment. Until it is complete, that's how it will unfold. So there you have it. The coming of the day and the character of the day. What do we take home from this? What do we apply to our day today? I think the first thing that we have to look at that, and look at in this and remind ourselves of is that God's judgment is real. God's judgment is real. The day of the Lord is coming, and it is for real. It is common. A lot of times we don't like to think about it. A lot of preachers don't like to preach about it. I went to a conference, there was a conference and I got a card in the mail. and the topic, one of the topics was, make your preparation time shorter. And I was like, "I'm in, I'm in. Oh. I'll do that. I'm all for it. So I go with anticipation of, of this one c- conference topic. I'm ready for it. And the other stuff is good, but man, I'm focused on that afternoon when I went have Chinese food for lunch. I'm ready for this afternoon, this hearing how my study time is going to be short. And you know what he shared? Preach expositor. That means Go verse by verse through a book at a time. I almost got up and walked out. Because that's what I already do. I already go verse by verse. It's so much easier for me. Last week's topical message, picking something, this is a big book. Picking out a topical message is tough. And then thinking about the judgment of God. That's not a topic that I'm going to turn to. It's not a topic that I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Today's a good day to talk to them about the judgment of God. But when we go verse by verse through a book, like the book of First Thessalonians, and we come to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 2, and it speaks about the day of the Lord. It's a topic we've got to look at because we just finished chapter 4. Chapter 5, verse 1 is next. We can't skip it, we can't avoid it. And there's this truth here, that the judgment of God is real. It's not something that we like to talk about, but it's in the book. It's in the book. So God wants us to know about it. So it's important that it's a subject that we realize and we accept, that the judgment of God is real. So as we think about that, as we think about the judgment of God, even just if we have just kind of a little bit of a mindset about what the book of Revelation is all about. The judgment of God should be something we don't want. I don't know about you, but I don't like judgment, especially when it's poured on me. I don't want that. So how can we escape the judgment of God? I think that's a great question. Acts 4 verse 12 says this, there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved so if we want to be saved from the day of the Lord if we want to escape the wrath of God so there's salvation in no one else there's no other way to escape it except through Jesus Christ so my question for you today is what have you done with Jesus Christ have you realized that he's your propitiation that he stood in your place took God's full wrath upon himself so that you could be forgiven of your sin, so that you could escape the day of judgment? It's time that we turn to Christ, and I don't know what's holding you up. I don't know why you keep saying, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus today. You know, as we think about this, is this something that the believers of Thessalonica wanted? We read this in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9 and 10. As people came to Paul, they report to him, concerning us, the kind of reception we have among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The people of Thessalonica turned away from their idols, and they turned to God. It says, to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come, the people of Thessalonica said, I want that. I want to be delivered from the wrath to come. Paul says, I don't need to tell you any anymore about the wrath to come because I've already told you about it. And they turned from idols. They turned from all of those false things and false hopes to the living God. They knew that Jesus was the way of salvation and they turned to him because they wanted to avoid the wrath to come. And so I want to challenge you and I want to double-dog you today. Be like the Thessalonikans. <laughs> Turn to Christ today. Avoid the wrath to come. Avoid the wrath to come. If we haven't trusted Christ, if we haven't looked to Christ, we're not ready. We're not ready for the day of the Lord. But if we've turned to Christ, if we've received Christ as our Savior, then we don't have to worry about the wrath to come. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. Turn to Jesus today.